All right, and we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Marketing Ops uh, Confession episode. I'm super excited to be joined today by uh, Chrissy Saunders, who's joining us as a absolute uh, MOPS expert, uh, both uh, having done it in the field with a bunch of awesome companies going from Marketo to, to Jive, and now um, running a uh, agency consulting uh, that beyond interviewing a bunch of other awesome ops professionals, uh, also helps a lot of companies figure out how to do the best marketing out there. So um, I think we're due for a lot of great insights. And I think it's um, today's really a, an awesome opportunity to be able to ask questions to someone who I think has a very broad view and understanding of what the world of MOPS is today. Um, you know, unlike potentially some of the um, typical folks that we bring on board that are very deep into the setup of their own company. I think Chrissy brings a um, wider breadth of understanding of what the, the landscape is looking like and what the future of MOPS um, seems like it's shaping towards. So um, Chrissy, thank you uh, for joining us today. Um, maybe before we get started and kind of as a, a means of like a very quick introduction, um, do you mind sharing us a little bit what led you to go from, um, you know, being on the ground and on the ops side to actually starting uh, CS2. Yeah, thanks for having me, Francis. Um, it's nice to be on the other side. I know you were on our our podcast of, uh, over a month ago, and I I recommend people check out that episode. Um, but yeah, it's good to be on the the other side answering questions. Um, but yeah, so for everyone, my my background, I did work in marketing ops um, and demand generation in-house. I sometimes had dual roles, but my uh, where I've started um, at Marketo, I worked in marketing operations and 11 years later, still in it, um, but now on the consultancy side. And I started CS2 alongside my co-founder, uh, Charlie, who's um, actually my husband, and we started it uh, six years ago. And Part of the reason why we want to start CS2 is I was looking for, um, you know, in the past I worked in house that in marketing ops roles or sometimes took on more leadership than that. And whenever we were, you know, strapped or needed extra help, we would go call in an agency. And I found that the type of uh, experience I had with some bigger agencies at the time wasn't exactly what I was looking for. I think in some cases it was useful for some companies, but it's always a bit slow. And I've worked in startups and is sometimes not so custom. It was very much tied to just the way that they did did like they say like lead scoring or something. And so um, I decided uh, I really like problem solving. I like working with different companies. And so I thought, okay, well, let's try and build an, an agency that um, you know, does more bespoke work, like really works with the company to figure out what their business goals are, um, and then helps them prioritize their projects and set up a good foundation uh, in marketing ops as well um, to do that. And and so instead of doing kind of like more of the cookie cutter type work, um, I wanted to focus on um, more just um, helping the client with building exactly what they need in order to operationalize their marketing strategy. That makes sense. Uh, that's super interesting. And, and maybe the quick reminder for everyone uh, in the chat, feel free to ask your questions in the either in the questions tab or in the chat, and we'll be constantly kind of monitoring what's going on in there. And we'll pick up uh, questions as they come. Um, you know, trying to, to keep the conversation flowing and worst case scenario, we'll do a Q and A uh, towards the end. Um, but I think what you were mentioning, Chrissy, is super interesting, right? And in saying, this is something that I think we've heard, um, you know, at every uh, mob session is this idea of that we need to figure out how to elevate the perception of mobs from the cookie cutter to actually someone who's helping on strategic decision and really shaping the strategy of the company. So I'm curious on the, um, like from, from your perspective and in the interactions you've had with different companies, how um, like tactically, like what are maybe some examples of things where you've actually helped position, you know, the MOPS organization as a strategic ally rather than, you know, just 
a team executing whatever we're giving them to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the first thing when we work with our clients, we'll, we'll do an assessment of that. Like we'll try and dig down into, you know, what are the business goals? What are you, and, and they'll be changing. Right. Um, but, uh, and then help them develop a framework, like creating a roadmap of the different projects we're going to help them work against. And all of those different projects will, you know, hopefully be supporting any of the business goals instead of them just like, oh, I think we should be working on this or that, you know, or um, just executing campaigns or firefighting. Marking ops is, you know, should be focused on, okay, how do we work on uh, certain projects to help us get to our business goals? And, and for some, that's just building a really good foundation. They might not have one, might not have built over time. And so they need that, like they need to step back a bit and be like, how can we create a really good foundation, which means like our lead flow process is 100% intact. Like it's, you know, for a lot of startups, they don't want to leave money on the table, right? Like that's the number one thing they need to drive revenue. And so if your whole like speed to, you know, speed to lead is like super important for them. So if your lead process has any like faults in it or you're um you know not getting people to sales in time that is wasted dollars or you could lose out to your competitor so simple simple things like that is where we say you need to focus and address and then on top of that like your lead life cycle is that being tracked and measured the right way um, and it's not so simple like for some clients that's working with different key stakeholders and so that's what we also work with our clients to do is to figure out how we can work more cross-functionally, um, you know, working with sales ops, working with their sales development team um, and any other teams and kind of, you know, creating those definitions of the life cycle together. What are the key points? How are we going to measure that? And how are we going to like, um, you know, continually report on it over time? Um, and so uh, that doesn't mean that we go and say, this is exactly how you do it. We'll do a lot of kind of workshopping and, and interviewing and figure out the right pro process for the company. Cause it could be different. They could even have a product led growth strategy, you know, and how can we incorporate that into the process? Um, and so I think working cross-functionally, having a roadmap, really working on projects that are like, supporting the business goals and, and remembering that you need a great foundation before you can add on any more complexity. It doesn't make sense to add on anything complex when you don't have the basics um, really nailed down. Yep. That makes sense. And on the, and this may be like more of a like tactical question, but I find a lot of companies struggle with, you know, maintaining a good definition. If we talk even just of lead, uh, lead stages and, and that kind of lead flow, um, have you found either tools that were great to add some kind of this like metadata layer on top of like a Salesforce or a Marketo, or do you typically see that documented outside of those tools? And like, is there, you know, a recommendation of a process of reassessing that we don't have like the documentation and the actual implementation kind of diverging over time? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I would say for tools, it, it really just depends. But I think you nailed it when you just said documentation. And I think training, um, because there needs to be kind of a shared central, um, you know, I would say a dictionary that people are working against um, and process like a playbook almost. And so they're continually having something that documents out that process is key. If you can build that into Salesforce or like your CRM or even like your intranet or something that's public facing, that's key. Um, but then continuing to know, like, you know, working with sales enablement or the SDR manager to make sure that over time it's getting updated. And then there's like, always retraining. Um, I just did a podcast yesterday um, with one of the directors of Mansion at Sales Loft, and we were talking about how to support the SDR team. And she made a great point of like, for certain things where you're training SDRs, like sometimes it's great to like work with sales, but also then get sales or like sales enablement or someone in the sales team to also be part of training their team. Because it, it looks like it's less of marketing doing something for marketing, it was like they included sales and wanted to build something for sales. So 
I think when we think about building things, like especially for a life cycle or process, it needs to be a shared effort. Yes, we will be leading it and we'll be executing it. But the more you can uh, get the teams involved early, do testing, even let them become like part of those people that are coming up with the definitions and then training their team, it makes it look like it's really something for sales and not just marketing saying like, oh, here, go and use, <laughs> go and use this process. It's what we need you to do. It's what we think you should do. It should be more of like, okay, this is what we all decided uh, the whole revenue team should be uh, doing and looking at. Um, but having the documentation is really key and, and keeping that updated. And we like different tools for creating documentation, like whimsical, but for actually like hosting it, it should be somewhere where you know people are going to be seeing it or visible um, and using things like um, help texts or messages within the sales kind of workflow is even better. Makes sense. Um, and actually, I mean, you were mentioning, you know, like the, like the revenue org and, and how, um, in this context, like mops needs to work with sales, uh, leadership, the kind of like another question that very frequently comes up is where should mops sit in the overall organization and what, yeah, like what are pros and cons of like some of the different things that you've seen? Uh, I mean, we can start with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we, we've had a, a discussion on this on our podcast and I think it really comes down to, um, and like, oh, so, so ops is a whole team, right? I think one of the things that happens sometimes is, um, should we create a rev ops team is what has been coming up. Um, and I, I think, you know, should marketing ops and sales ops report together? Should all of business operations support in together? Should that go under IT? And I do think it really depends on the organization. Um, for everyone live, I'm going to put my hand in front of my camera because I, I think it's running out. There. It's like a defocusing, which of course is only happening now uh, during a live session. Um, so hopefully it, it resolves itself. Um, but um <laughs> wow um so yeah so i think that um and I, this is where i wish i had like an it team to come down and and help me with this um but the um i think the 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 thing that i think for uh where operations should report especially for marketing ops is um it really depends on organization. I think for small teams and startups, it's hard to have marketing ops roll into just a rev, rev ops team, which is usually run by sales. Um, and the um, I I think that's really hard because marketing is really dependent on having alignment with like the the marketing team. Marketing ops needs to work with the marketing team, and so. They're still their main, like marketing is still their main customer. Um, and so um, I think that we just, it's it's really hard when there's not, there needs to be a dotted line. And so I think the main thing is that having alignment is actually more important than like where people are reporting into. I'm still gonna try and fix my camera because it's uh, distracting me a bit. Um, Apologies to the Mad KD team for this. I don't know how this is happening right now. Um, and, <laughs> um, the, uh, um, I'm going to try and fix it one more time because I don't want to be distracted. This is a really good question. Um, and um, so I, I think that people will say, oh, having all the operations teams report in together does create alignment. I think that's true. And so if that is going to do that for your company, I think go ahead and, um, and do that. But I do think marketing ops is a little bit different than sales ops and a sales ops and, and maybe a business ops where we are so in the trenches of like the marketing strategy and supporting that. So we need that alignment with marketing. And so if there's ever a situation uh, where the um, that might be broken or like the parties of the marketing team get like pushed down. 
I think that that causes issues. So I might, this might be a hot take, but I, I think if you're in a startup, a mid-sized company, I don't really think you might be ready for like rolling out a RevOps team or business ops rolling into one team. I think there should still be alignment though. So you should share your roadmap. You should meet frequently. You should have like an integrated team that's, um, you know, have a change management together, but that doesn't mean that you need to have a reporting structure to do that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's one where it's interesting because ultimately I feel like there's no, um, there's no ideal like single solution that, that is going to work best for this. I definitely think that one of the, um, I guess one of the observations when we have everything kind of roll into RevOps and even like the whole rev like CRO function today is I guess like more frequently a, um, kind of sell like originally kind of sales function that broadens the scope into revenue. Now I find CROs are very much more frequently former VP sales than they are former CMOs. Um, and, and I think there's like a similar risk of, you know, when we look at the, the MOPS function rolling into, into RevOps, there's like really a stronger focus on the like later part of the funnel. And that yeah. can be detrimental to the support of all the marketing functions that the marketing ops is still there to support and still needs to happen of like having the right infrastructure, having the right tools, even understanding what is possible and like supporting the marketing strategy of what are, you know, more great customers that we should acquire. And how do we know they're great customers? Well, because we have a marketing ops function that's delivering these insights and this information to leadership to inform the strategy and there yeah there, i think there's there's often a risk there where it's kind of it's i think the idea is great of the the revenue ops and i think you were the one who mentioned this right you were saying like rev ops as a concept is awesome but it's generally faulty in execution yeah um and, and i do agree that i think most companies are are better off having most of the time yeah like a marketing ops function that's maybe separate and really there to support um the marketing org yeah, and I, I think the revenue team in as a whole is a great example of this, where you should work on strong alignment, but your reporting structure doesn't need to be representative of that. So sales and marketing should always be working closely together. If anything, it needs to be closer and closer as we all contribute to the customer journey. And that's how I feel about operations. But because marketing ops is so tied to marketing, like we're even campaigns, right? Which is for, uh, I think a sales ops function, who's maybe more focused on just a piece of like, you know, like the CRM or there's, you know, pipeline that they're, uh, you know, tracking and, and deal desk. And I think all of those ops teams working together so that they're all communicating with each other. They all have the change management system makes sense, but they don't need to report and but uh, together. And I for like I say, like campaign execution, like that usually is a completely different world, but that's still part of marketing ops today. And so unless um, the com the company is different, where some of those are different, like maybe you have one person on the marketing ops who rolls into RevOps who is mainly focused on like the systems and processes and data, and you have maybe another group who who then just supports. I, like a marketing team with campaigns. Um, I, I could talk about this for a really long right. time, but I think the key thing is we're kind of agreeing here where like execution makes sense because I think sometimes people have done it successfully, but I think it really just comes down to alignment and working together, which I know can be hard in this like remote um, day and age, but it's not impossible um, and it's key to do so. Yeah, and I think so. One thing also sometimes that I think is interesting, and and I encourage everyone at their, like in their current positions to think about it is, we we often spend a lot of time looking at what potential solution can be implemented, but not enough time trying to figure out why we're even, you know, in a position where we have to challenge the status quo and. There's, I mean, one of the best books, management books that's out there is uh, the um, it's good strategy, bad strategy. And like one of the main and core points of that book, if you haven't read it, like the one liner is basically 
good strategy requires a great diagnostic. And if your diagnostic is wrong, then you're basically like implementation means nothing. And I find that when we think about this, like integration of marketing ops into rev ops, one of at least like a big part of the diagnostic in my mind is that is this cookie cutter thing, right? So mm-hmm. we, we yeah. often uh, confuse mar- or like leadership often confuse confuses marketing ops with Marketo management. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem is like Marketo management is one component of it. Like, yes, there is like management of the tech stack, but the whole element of like how you, um, you know, enhance the strategic uh, roadmap and decision-making is a core component of marketing ops. And I find that, oh, by pulling it into RevOps, it kind of pulls it away from, ah, they're just the people managing Marketo, HubSpot, Eloqua, whatever, and into this broader function where I think sales ops has historically been, you know, people think about it with territory assignment, like round robin, which feels more strategic and a little bit beyond just pure uh, Salesforce management. So I think there's something there of like, ultimately, why are we thinking about merging the two together? Is it because marketing ops isn't seen as strategic enough? Is it because there's a strong misalignment between the two like sales and marketing org, which potentially comes from like higher up than just the ops side. So I think Mm -hmm. there's something there of like within your organizations, taking the time to run a proper diagnostic to figure out where the different friction points are. Yeah. And then evaluating if this RevOps entity will address those. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it sometimes is this question of like, is this, is this a symptom um, of something else? Like, what are we solving? Um, marketing ops, I think a lot of the times you need to boil that down. I mean, operations in general, you need to boil it down to like, what is the core problem? Is this actually just a problem in itself or is this a symptom of another problem? And I think sometimes businesses will make decisions like that. Like, oh, we should change up our organization to do this because we're feeling this. Well. I don't know if that's really going to solve the problem. Um, I even, I think I made an analogy to like, um, and sometimes this happens with tech or um, like the joining of RevOps is like, you know, someone thinking that um, having a baby is going to save their marriage. Such a sad thing to talk about, but like, it's kind of saying like, why take on this really big thing thinking that it's going to create more alignment or more trust or something like that. Actually, you need like strong alignment before you can do that to make it successful or like a big thing, like a piece of tech is not a strategy. It's not going to solve problems. It's probably likely the problem is just coming from something fundamental. So I do think that, um, if there, if anything, if you're trying to create that team to create alignment, or, you know, uh, raise the uh, value of marketing ops, I think you need to also think about like, where did that come from? Is there also alignment issues across other revenue teams? It's likely so. Or is there just lack of like, you know, is there really bad change management? Are they just, is there like no permissions across the team? And yes, like, then the team should just work together. Uh, In the past, I've gone into companies and my first week I've done some analysis and even in marketing ops, I've, I've like created change, I've changed forces. Like that's what I'd call them. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take sales up, a leader of sales development, a person maybe from business operations, someone on the demand gen side, and we're going to come together and create this task force. And we're going to look at what our goals are for our, our groups. What's the goals of the business? Identify areas that we need to address. Um, and we're going to meet frequently because we need to update each other and really like, you know, give progress on our programs. It doesn't mean that we all need to report into each other. And I think more and more um, companies, you can do, you can end up reporting to the same team. But I think, uh, like I said, it's more around alignment. So whatever you can do to boost that alignment and work cross-functionally is actually a great way to elevate the marketing ops team for more than just a you know, a donut maker, like what people say, or the Marketo admin. Uh, and let's be honest, the term marketing automation does does us a little bit of a disservice. Our job is not automated. Like there, there, there are some parts where we're using automation to automate it, but 
And people think, oh, with AI, it means that like they're taking parts of our jobs. In some ways, yes, but those there's so much to do that it's just really just minimizing some of these small tasks or things that um, a machine can actually do better than us. So it doesn't eliminate the, <laughs> the things that we need to do. It's still that we are the people that come in to create the strategy decide how things should work, solution them, and then execute them. Uh, nothing, nothing else is really like just fully on me in our jobs where they, we just sit around and push buttons. Yeah, so that makes sense. And I think there's, there's something, and I'm curious to, to hear your take on this, but so we talked a lot about, there's one option in terms of where marketing ops can fit into the, or, or two options, right? There's like fitting into the marketing organization, there's fitting into more of the rev ops or like revenue organization. One of the things I, I've been starting to see is with kind of the the growth of the PLG trend and a lot of companies being, I call it like uh, data native companies. So companies that from the core, when they started the, you know, their go to market motion, they knew data was going to be incredibly important. So they've centered a lot of the organization around that. And in a lot of those companies, I'm starting to see mops roll into biz ops or data ops or some of those. And actually, I think um, in in the chat, we still have uh, Jason Belog from Patreon, who was uh, on the show last week. And it was really interesting because he moved from a marketing ops function to an ops function that is within the data science team. And it's really mm-hmm. about supporting the marketing initiatives by making the data available, making sure that any segmentation is going to be there. And I I wonder if you see some like a similar kind of trend where historically, so we've talked about sales and marketing alignment, but I feel like there's a, a gap that's or a rift that's starting to form within organizations between the kind of customer facing or like business side of the organization and the technical side of the org that owns the data warehouse, owns the real um, you know, source of truth for customer data that is now starting to be completely decorrelated from a marketer or a sales force. And now they are in this position of power to some extent where they have all the data that the teams might need to be able to run their campaigns. And so there's something there where now I think there's going to be this conversation about how do we align our technical and our, um, you know, go to market teams uh, from an execution perspective. So curious if you're seeing any of that and if you've seen some companies where there's like some kind of cross-functional support there. Yeah, I, I have seen this a little bit, I will say. And I think in bigger organizations, it's even worse. But I think that companies now, maybe because of the lack of like con- control over the data or, you know, how they want to see the data, they're looking to like a BI tool or some like data repository to then have all their analytics. But in the end, that kind of means that everyone else is beholden to that team to getting any insights. And there, I don't, I'm not saying that those tools aren't useful, they are, but I think having a single source of truth in some ways is an okay thing, but I think it should really be just a collective like data set that people have access to and making sure that those are all aligned. And when I think about data being best used and leveraged, it's really, it's really when it's like within the workflow of these different teams. So for marketing, they probably need access to some of that data around your customers, um, around your accounts, because they need to do things like scoring and segmentation and, and really ensure that they're creating a, a great experience across the whole customer journey. If anything, and I was going to say this at the beginning when we were talking about marketing ops and being so close to marketing, I think that over time, at least from uh, what I see is like really marketing ops's job is kind of owning the customer journey and like operationalizing that and making sure it's efficient um, and having a, a viewpoint on it because it's gotten a little bit out of control, I will say. Um, And there needs to be someone that can really air traffic control that. But also customer experience is so important to a company now. Like there's so much that the customer's doing on their own um, outside of like working with sales or, you know, people are, you know, not gating a lot of their assets. And so 
really getting some of those key insights or also making sure that that journey that they're doing on their own is great um, is, is super important when it comes to having a competitive advantage. So I almost even think that there might be one person now being added to a marketing ops team in the future who just focuses on the customer journey, what communications are going out, are they aligned? But I think moving back to the data side, like having access to that data is really key. Um, and then for our sales team, having access to the data is really key. Like they're within a certain, they're within their CRM. Like they still need access to that data and give them visibility. And um, so I think when it comes to data, like if, if we do end up cre creating these inefficiencies, and this is also where I think sometimes with having operations teams report into IT can also be a bit challenging because everything's so black and white in that department. So it, it can be really hard for marketing ops, which is part science, part, you know, creative part. It can be really hard, I think, when it comes to making decisions, but also you want, don't want to slow things down. I think it's more just putting in the guardrails uh, to ensure that there's process there. And that's how I feel about with data. BI tools uh, or having a data warehouse or having a single source of truth is great, but like, what about, there's viewing data, but there's also access to data. And so I think the company still needs to think about how to, how to best serve that and how it can be used. Um, and so I think, um, I don't, I'm still forming my opinions on this because it's so, so new, but that's, that's how I uh, feel about it, especially for a company that's going to be moving fast or needs to um, wants to do anything more advanced and not be so beholden on a on a team to get those insights. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. There's like when when people started coining the term digital native and they were talking about how our generation is kind of digital native. One of the big things was that there's an expectation that you're going to be marketed to with a really high level of relevance. So we kind of like we're like even the generation, I guess, like after us is really born into this, like they are digital natives. And for them, I think like the creepiness of all the tracking, all that stuff that we react maybe a little bit more strongly to or like, ooh, how do you know this about me? I'm not super comfortable with it. The new generation, I think, is going to be fully bought in. I think we're starting to see that even in the business context where people have the expectation to be sold to as a very high level of relevance, which means that we have to be able to leverage all the data that's available. Um, one of the best marketing campaigns I feel that I've seen in, in recent years was in the in the Bay Area segment was running this billboard. Um, so they had this massive billboard on one of the biggest highways and like on the way to San Francisco. And it said, good morning, Los Angeles. And I thought that, <laughs> and, and under it said, like, data is critical to your marketing or something like that. Basically, just to say that if you don't have the right data, you're going to lose every single one of your prospect customers. And I think it was the perfect example of how something that seems minor can actually have a huge impact on uh, on the potential customers. And it's detrimental to the brand, um, you know, when we're now beyond kind of just like pushing ads on a, you know, on a TV show that we think is watched by demographics that we are interested in now, like we can go so much more granular that it's, it's an expectation that buyers have from companies to actually be able to do this. And that's where that manipulation of data becomes critical and even the strategy behind of how do we make as you're saying right not just can we create the data but can we make it available to support the strategy that we want to go uh towards and that maybe leads me to a question that i, I feel a lot of of folks are asking these days is should marketing ops folks learn to write sql should they you know learn how to query the data warehouses and all of that or um, or, or what's the alternative potentially like looking at tools that can help them do that or formally getting a strategy together to get IT to do it. Yeah. Just curious, like what, what your thoughts are on that or Python. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that in some ways it's like setting the wrong expectations and maybe why a lot of people really get a bit weary about going into the marketing ops field. It's already a lot that we have to know. We need to be able to prioritize. There's always a million things to do in marketing ops. We need to be able to 
work efficiently within systems, our marketing automation platform, our CRM, and all the myriad of tools that the company supports, let alone like having the technical like chops to actually do stuff within those tools, like you said, like coding or knowing SQL if you want to get it more on the data side. And I think, uh, yeah, so Scott Brinker is going to be on Mops Confession soon. I'm excited to join that one because I think a lot of what he puts out there is pretty brilliant. And he has a quadrant just talking about the different types of like marketing ops folks. And we've talked about this in, in a past newsletter and it's kind of like a quadrant because you can have like a more technical side of like marketing ops person. You can have someone more focused on like campaigns. You can have someone that's more like data and analytics. And you have someone who's maybe, I'm probably I'm probably getting all of these mixed ups I haven't looked about in a while, but I'm to give that example. Um, and the, uh, um, uh, there's like the leadership side when I think of the different people in marketing ops. And I, I, do, I think that coming up in your career and thinking you need to know everything can almost do you a disservice because you're constantly like trying to like push yourself into different buckets that maybe is not best suited to your skill set anyway. So if someone's looking to be a leader in marketing ops, it's one thing there's skills that you need like to do really well. And a lot of those skills are soft skills. Having a strong foundation of the tools is really important. I, I do think that people coming up should focus on your like market automation platform and then CRM, in most cases, Salesforce, because they're just obviously a leader in, in that space. Um, and, and then also maybe a few other systems, but understanding kind of the core fundamentals of like what needs to be done from projects. So, uh, and I'm saying this from someone coming up because I think that we need more people coming up into marketing ops. It's that's a little bit of a a tricky thing where our talent is pretty like hard to find uh, because we all we're, we're all looking for this unicorn. Like we're all looking for someone who knows SQL but then also knows how to like get into a room with the sales team, a marketing person, and get them aligned on like the lead life cycle. And I will say over my career really push myself to do everything and to like do the data. But I think don't be afraid to like specialize yourself or know enough or, or focus on the concepts to um, want to go into more of a leadership path. But I, I think don't fake it till you make it either. You need to build a strong foundation of core skills. But if you do find that you want to go more on the data side, like work with your boss to figure out that plan or look even maybe to going to like an agency or something where you can actually be specialized. Think about like what, you know, what skills that you're really good at and how you can then best suit that into a marketing ops role. Um, if you aren't like comfortable with coding, it doesn't mean marketing ops isn't for you. It just means that you are maybe best suited in a different part of marketing ops. And so that's my perspective, um, but I think keeping a pulse on everything that's going on marketing ops and pulling in um, agencies, contractors, different people on your team to help out in areas where maybe isn't your strong suit. Um, and then also what we face as marketing ops people is a lack of time because there's so much to do and we usually have little resources is what are some things that can save some time that's all that's kind of reason why i think mad kudu is a little bit great uh because like well not a little bit great it is part of this great but uh b is that it's you can have a data science team or you can try and get all of your data set there or pull in all these data pipelines and stuff like that trying to build out a perfect lead scoring but if you can just use a tool to do that that's great, right? It saves you time. It's probably better than what you'll build on your own. It'll save you a lot of like troubleshooting. And so when we look at technology, it can be, how can this save us time or do better than what I can build on my own instead of like, is this going to create more work? And am, am I better off doing this on my own? And so uh, for marketing ops folks, um, it should always be around saving efficiencies or, or plugging in those gaps that you don't have. It's the same thing for running a business. Like, as a as a leader, I know that there's people on my team that know things even more than I do, but that's part of the reason why they're on the team. So don't be afraid to feel like you don't know everything that uh, uh, when it comes to marketing ops. 
Yeah, I think that there are two points that I want to uh, emphasize on, on what you were saying that I, I think resonate strongly with me. The, the first one is when you're saying it's similar to being like a, a leader within um, or like like running a company. There, there's a very, I find a strong similarity between the perception and reality of, of the job in marketing ops and product management, right? Product management mm, yeah. is something very similar where you're kind of the CEO of the product. There is this idea that you intimately know the user of the product, why they're using it, what are their aspirations, which is basically understanding, I guess, like the journey and the, the life cycle of the customer. But once they're interacting within the context of the product versus in marketing ops, it's more life cycle from a buying perspective. And there's a similar thing where as a product manager, you're always being requested, oh, like, why don't we add this feature? Why don't we do this? Oh, can't yeah. we just do this? Oh, why isn't it just doing that? And like all these things you have to prioritize and make sure that like if you're the CEO of your product, you determine, is it worth the investment? And do I think I'm going to get the right kind of ROI on this? And I feel if there's a lot, I think, of um, good recommendations out there on how to be a good product manager, how to do the right kind of prioritization. I feel like we lack that kind of content and thought leadership on the marketing offside. And I almost feel like the one recommendation I have for people is just go read stuff about product management, because a lot of that applies yeah. perfectly to the role of a marketing ops. A hundred percent. Like I couldn't agree more. Um, we actually have a podcast episode on forward thinking with uh, Nick Pompiglia from Tinkery and he's a CEO there and he has a strong background in product and he worked as head of product at Marketo. And we actually did that correlation, talked to him like, what's the similarities between someone who's a head of product and being in marketing operations? And a lot of those things that you can see with a head of product will make you successful, especially when you're leading your organization marketing ops. Part of that is like having a North Star or so sometimes that's like the goals of the business, then building a roadmap that supports that. How to build in a buffer into your roadmap for things that might come up like, you know, feature fixes when it comes to products or, um, you know, little things that you need to wiggle in. Um, so And also so that your team doesn't get overwhelmed when those things do come up. Um, and, and then down to like prioritization, 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 like, and then, and then the methodologies that you can use, like agile methodology for the engineers. Like if you have people that are solutioning and architecting processes, they should have a similar process where they go into solutioning phase. They, you know, product person usually does that. They figure out the strategy and how it should be, and then work with engineers. How is this going to be built at what timeline setting those expectations? always setting it you know don't undersell your expectations because obviously if you if you tell the market you're going to deliver on a product and you don't deliver on that time it's worse than just like setting out a far enough date where you can um and then uh you know and then executing and then always going through kind of a revision stage of uh monitoring and fixing so building a product is very similar to building processes within marketing operations and going into that mindset like a product um product marketer or head of not product marketer but a head of product is uh yeah i totally agree and there's there's the second similarity on the technical aspect right where when when you're defining i mean you're you have to interact with engineers and you're saying hey this is a feature we want to build and this is the kind of stuff we want to build it's important as a product manager that you have a decent understanding of what engineering yeah. is right so that you don't ask for something that's completely impossible to build <laughs> yeah. uh, but at the same time nobody is expecting you to know how to actually go in and write that code and the only way you get that knowledge is by interacting with engineers by reading up about technology by learning some of the stuff like okay so what are the limitations of i don't know like you know python versus scala versus like some other thing the same way that you want to understand you know what is it that we can do if you know our data is in a data warehouse like what could we do with workado versus with high touch versus like some other tool to move data from here to there versus some internal pipeline that we build and that also helps cement you as a professional within the organization as someone that people are wanting to have a discussion with because you're not just yeah. like throwing stuff in here and again the harder thing i think about uh marketing ops is that you come in with marketing as your first name which people already assume that you you're just like asking for magical like you're looking for unicorns like oh could we do like all this stuff and it'll be great and everybody <laughs> will be happy 
And and like at least you have the upside where I think there's like a way to build more um, of a solid understanding with the engineering team. But I think there's something incredibly valuable there of just spending time with you know the team that's supporting on the data side to understand what is possible, what isn't, and just like build that fairly high level understanding without going in and learning how to write SQL the same way that you understand how SDRs are meant to do selling without necessarily being the one who's doing the cold calling and writing the emails. But if you don't understand what it takes to write an email that someone is likely to open and respond to, it's really, really hard to work with SDRs because you just, you lack that empathy that yeah. makes you a good marketing ops. And I think now like we're like, we have these two sides, right? On the business with sales and on the technical side with uh, business ops where marketing ops needs to elevate the game there. Totally. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, it's part of the reason why I always really liked marketing ops is like, I just love, I just love the way businesses work. I love, I love like understanding the way things work. I love learning about the pain points from different teams and how can my team solve them? Um, and so I think for a strong marketing ops person is you're always willing to have those conversations, understand, learn, um, and know that things are going to constantly change, which can be a little bit of struggle, but having an open mind too. some of the things that I was doing 10 years ago, I'm not doing the same way. We have more tools out there, resources, and we know more. Um, and even for my team at CS2, we have a focus on learning and learning from each other, but also staying in touch. And so we always keep a level um of time open each week to learn from each other and what we call caffeine and brains or we share things or um we do presentations um to each other with each other um just to make sure we're like constantly learning and if someone's you know wanting to explore a certain path and learn a new tool they can do that too um so if you have the passion to learn and a lot of that you said could even, it's not even technical stuff. It's it's just understanding your different customers and what their pain points are and then um like what it would take to help solve those pain points. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh I just want to take there there's a great great question from Jeremiah uh in in the chat where he was asking, um, what are ways to measure MOPS performance? Um, I mean, yeah, on, on the marketing side. It, I would debate that uh, MQLs is like is one of the KPIs. I feel like more and more I'm seeing companies have where marketing actually has a pipeline number. Uh, mm -hmm. Last week uh, we had Ashley Zhang from uh, Asana um, here, and actually super like SDRs reported to marketing ops, and marketing ops had a uh, pipeline quota um mm. so anyway that's like just throwing one like different kind of thing out there that's a very unique setup they had not seen of sdrs rolling into marketing ops but mm -hmm. i feel like marketing having a pipeline number is becoming more of a more and more kind of the standard out there but i'm curious yet to hear what uh performance kpis you see on the mop side yeah um it's interesting about ashley i thought i i had uh managed an sdr team at one of my past roles and i was like am i the only person doing <laughs> but uh, we needed an sdr team and they're like okay go build one um so um but i think when it comes to marketing i do agree like pipeline and revenue is key because when we talk about alignment having shared goals are really important when it comes to uh, measuring the performance of your marketing ops team, that's where I feel like having a roadmap really becomes useful because if you're executing against all the projects that you need to do um, and you're doing it on like the time that you say you're going to, that's just a great like thing to look at to show, okay, is marketing ops doing their job? And then also for each project, maybe coming up with like an you know with okr structure you might come up with this but having like a key result so what is that key result for that project and how are we going to monitor it or, or measure it so if it's a data cleanliness project project do an analysis of like the percentage you know populated on certain key fields or um and then measure that beginning and then if you do an enrichment process or put that in measure it afterward and then obviously be mindful of the impacts of that better segmentation better customer experience, um, and then being able to filter out some uh, fields, which is better 
um, better, you know, for the sales team. In some ways, like we always want KPIs, but we have to also remember too that not some some data also could be anecdotal. So maybe doing like a pulse check on like certain teams that are your customers and put out a survey to say, you know, how have things been working since we ran that project? Has it improved our efficiency? Is there any feedback that you might have? And just gathering that anecdotal data can be really useful and you can even present that. So uh, in the same way we go for marketing, I think sometimes we always wanna look for something to attribute our success to, but be creative. There, there's different ways to do that. It doesn't need to be one single KPI, especially something like MQLs, which is um, subjective in some cases. Or can be. Or at least it's easily manu you can manipulate it pretty easy, yeah. right? Like let's mark everything as an MQL and bam, there we go. We doubled our numbers. <laughs> yeah, um, it's hard to tie that back to marketing outs because there's so many things that touch that, right? But for marketing, like maybe it can be, but yeah, it's just a single thing and it can be easily manipulated or or changed though. So. And I think this is also where it goes into um I think starting to think about the the role beyond the cookie cutter, because yes, if you are a cookie cutter, the metric is going to be how many cookies are you cutting? But if you start <laughs> thinking of something that's more strategic, I think we, one way I like, or one framework I like to use um, and that we use like within Mads, we do within the, the leadership team to do quarterly planning is like there's improving the business and moving the business, right? So there are things that you constantly want to improve. So like the number of MQLs, yeah. like that number is kind of a regular KPI you wanted to improve it, you know, quarter over quarter, but yeah. those are typically going to be incremental changes. And then there are some strategic initiatives that are going to be about moving the business. Oh, what if we start this new initiative? What if we change the life, you know, this journey to be this? And I think on, on the product side, to take the analogy again, there's something very similar where KPIs for project product management, sorry, can be sometimes hard to make tangible because yes, there's going to be engagement in the product. There's like some latent stuff like retention, but there's going to be strategic initiatives where you say, oh, we're going to release a feature or we're going to build some kind of plat some tooling internally so that we can ship more experiments faster. And that is something I think on the mark ops side that is critical of like how many what is your velocity of experimentation? How many experiments can you ship per quarter and how many are you doing? And if, if you're in a mode where you're still trying to test a lot of things, that I think is an essential KPI, like how many experiments can you support? With your organization per quarter is is important because that's the only way you can learn uh what is working on the marketing front yeah yeah definitely um and i think when you say improving i like i think that that's becoming even even more important and when i even say improving i mean like fundamentally like looking at some things that can really be impactful we haven't even talked about technical debt i know we talked about it in our dry run but like i will say one of the biggest thing that's making uh operations teams job really hard is just time we like systems have been around like for a while there's a lot of tech debt there especially on the salesforce side when there's different forms of automation that have been in, like introduced from salesforce they all can kind of contradict each other um, and then our market automation platforms that you might be using for a really long time, have a data set that you've been using, like all of these things, like it's not a sexy thing to do, right? Like, oh yeah, we cleaned up our automations and we're, but, but the impact, like if you're able to say we improve performance, like we don't have any of our processes failing, we don't have any people like using the wrong fields in segmentation or reporting, um, that those are all things that if you think from like a psychology um a lot of people if you can say we were able to not do have this bad thing happen it's like with security software a lot of the times they don't people don't end up buying it until you've been like hacked right. until you had an, a, an issue well get a step ahead of that but let them know like what's on the other side for like not addressing that because in some ways we don't want to use fear but for some people they need to know like what what is the alternative and what is the impact and that can help you get those projects prioritized and it'll just make your job easier um in some ways it, it could be like slowing down on some other things but those other sophisticated really important things are not going to work or are going to take a lot more time if you're always battling up against um some issues makes sense um, and, and for a challenging last question to answer in less than 
in a minute. Uh, so there's a question about attribution modeling and should you set, start with something complex from the start or actually start with something simple and iterate as you go? Yeah, um, I, I think that you should start simple. I think your attribution model and what you're doing should always be in direct correlation to how much you're spending in marketing <laughs> in some ways, because um, if, and I will say that like, it doesn't mean you always go complex because different attribution models uh, like can sometimes be too overly complex. You need to think about what is your goal for building an attribution model? What are the things you're trying to answer? And in most ways, some people will go the wrong route and say, I want to build an attribution model to prove marketing's worth. I want to show like what directly are we doing so I can show sales or a CEO like this is what we're doing. I think in some cases that's okay. And like, you want to be able to show that, but if anything, marketing is touching everything. I think every, everyone should kind of know that so far, but a, a real attribution model should help you make better decisions and all models like, um, have some flaws to them, but as long as it's directional data that you can use, it's helpful. So I would say, start out with, you know, tracking your lead sources, right? Or your lead source campaign, do that on first touch and like maybe the last touch. And like, even if you just have that from an organization to start, and then you you can like even map that on to like your life cycle reports that maybe you do on like a joined report on like a custom object or a campaign member or something. That all sounds like sophisticated, but is a bit simpler than going all in on say like an attribution tool, which is only gonna, like in some cases you might not be ready for, or your customers not, might not be ready for. You might find it really simple, but if it's giving you data that not everyone's bought into, so I will say whatever model you choose, maybe start out simple, but then as you want to grow into something more sophisticated, you need to build the case for it. You need to do the education. You need to understand, okay, how are each of the teams gonna use this data? And let me like evangelize that first and then go all into doing that project. Otherwise, I think you might spend a lot of time building this model, you get the data, and the teams might not want to use it um, or don't understand it and then don't use it. So that's my advice. And and we do have a really good ep episode on on this too before I think, you know, had a few plugs with how to do attribution the right way. And Allison Rouse on our team, who's our VP of um, Solutions architecture, she's amazing. Um, uh, talks about this there with us, and it's a it's one of our most popular episodes. Makes sense. I think it's a yeah, it's a really uh, difficult topic. I like I, I spent many many hours building attribution models. I actually worked with one of the like lead data scientists who built like some of the mod <clears throat> some of the data science that's on the Mars rovers. So just to say, smart smart person. And we just couldn't figure out how to build something that is like fully generic and like statistical in, in B2B and works. I think ultimately, I can't agree more with what you said. There's a great um, uh, quote from George Box, who was a statistician, yeah. who said, all models are wrong, but some are useful. And I think the yeah. most important thing of that is start with what are you trying to do with the attribution model? And from that, build the simplest thing that can help you um, answer the question you're trying to answer or figure out how you want to use it. And I would say whatever the minimum is to try and answer that question is the most important. And then if it doesn't, then you can add in complexity until you're able to, to make use of it. But really starting with the use case, why we're building it is definitely the most critical part because it can very quickly become a huge science project that nobody is really going to get value from because it's unusable. Yeah, and just because it's not on a dashboard or a report doesn't mean that you should not be doing it. I think that, you know, word of mouth or podcasts or, you know, before we had all these tools to do attribution, people were just doing marketing there right. and they're just watching their revenue numbers go up. Oh my gosh, what a simple world. Let's go back to that. You know, like let's, but let's be smarter and actually like report on the things that we're putting dollars into. But, but you, there's also implied attribution that you can do. So, um educating the team around that too i think is key awesome well i know we're at the top of the hour and want to be respectful of everyone's time but thanks a ton chrissy for uh all the insights and uh yeah we're looking forward to continuing the conversation if people want to reach out to you what's the best way to stay in touch 
Yeah, uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me, just Chrissy Saunders, uh, Chrissy with no H. And if you want to check out our content and uh, stuff we're doing at CS2, just go to cs2marketing.com. Which I highly recommend. Uh, there's definitely a lot of a lot of good stuff in there, and we'll yeah we'll um, we'll have some links uh, to that in the in the follow ups. And um, well, thanks again, everyone. Next week we'll have uh, Rosaline Santa Elena, who's the VP of uh, Global Revenue Ops at Neo 4J. So interesting, like very like companies selling to engineers and uh, rev ops person. So. We'll see what her take is on where uh, mobs should fit in the in the org. But again, thanks everyone, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Have a good rest of the week, and see you on the other side of the long weekend. Yeah, thank you. Right. Have a good one. Bye.